Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this this is joe cole this is ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the london London is blue podcast All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by my co-hosts, Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, we are here, in case you've forgotten, for the Everton match review, a weird Monday night match. Nick, my least favorite matches uh, during the week happen on Mondays and Thursdays, Europa League. (laughs) Anyways, um, but we have a first-time guest uh, probably a name that's well becoming very well known in the Chelsea circle. Uh, this is exciting. Yeah, look, I, Monday matches. We have to bring in really great guests to compliment just the terrible timing of the match. And so Jenny Chu, uh, well known CBS Sports covering Champions League, Chelsea FC and USA, doing a ton of videos for them this year. Uh, Jenny, welcome to the show. This is wonderful to have you finally, and uh, excited to talk Chelsea with you. I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. From day one, you guys have welcomed me in. Um, you guys talk tactics on another level, so I can't say I always follow along with y'all because you guys are you guys are great. But thanks for having me. We appreciate it. We're looking forward to it, uh, Dan. Sir, I feel like I need to bring you in here before you you get left out, and I want to go right to the Kaz effect Ooh. today. It was so good. I, I I'm going to tease it, but I'm let you bring it in and, and kind of let it take full effect. Well, it just felt kind of right. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it was International Women's Day when we were recording this. It was a former Chelsea women's team captain, Kaz Carney, on uh, color commentary uh, in the world feed and global feed. I had a couple of people tweet at me about it. They're like, oh my gosh, she's not on my feed. Well, okay. <laughs> we were watching different feeds. That is Hold the on. nature of a global environment. It's almost as if there are different commentators on different streams. And if you're what? unlucky enough to not have her, then that's on you. But she's yeah. great. Yeah, she was fantastic. So, uh, you know, there were, we, we posted a nice little uh, uh, appreciation tweet, and uh, no surprise, the Chelsea community and faithful showered her with praise, which was, uh, again, not surprising for a Chelsea women's legend and uh, currently now a commentary legend too. So a uh, wonderful way to uh, take in this match today. Yeah, as Chelsea have uh, really tried to keep former players close to the club, uh, seeing Karen Carney 
uh, or Kaz, as she's affectionately known by the club, uh, close to the club doing the kind of match day stuff, content, com- you know, content for the for for the teams and things like that is fantastic. Uh, Jenny, I don't know if you have much of an opinion on Kaz and her job today, or or maybe even just talking about how you thought it went for. Her. I thought it went really well. I tweeted about how I wanted to boost her up on on Twitter, and then I was reading the comments and. I've- there's quite a few people that were like, oh, there's a woman. I'm turning the sound off, which I thought was very hurtful because it's the first couple minutes of the game. You're not turning it off because she said something that you felt was incorrect or she wasn't good at her job. You literally just did it because it was a woman um, and a woman's voice. And I thought that was really timely considering uh, <laughs> International Women's Day. So I thought she did a great job. She's really insightful. Um, I actually am not familiar with her commentary until today. I'm not sure if that was her first time on NBC or not, but I thought she did wonderfully. And I don't, and I can't commentate. So I, I was really listening in. I was like, wow. I mean, she's on a whole nother level soccer wise, but just wonderful, wonderful. She, um, she reminds me of Doris Burke when she first started to do NBA games. And I think now if you were to like take, if there was a draft of NBA commentators, Doris, Doris would be like one or two in the draft. Like she's that good. Watch this space for Kaz. She's going to be really, really good. And she's going to be on your TV every weekend, whether you like it or not. But why is it still an issue? Like why? It's ridiculous. If Doris can be accepted because of her knowledge base, why is it that a woman cannot be accepted because of her knowledge base in football? Um, I mean, she has the credentials to back it up more than anyone. And I I just don't get it. It made me really upset today. (laughs) Hey, rightly so. Obviously, you know, we're not going to sit here and and pretend like we know what that's like. Uh, You know, we can only sit here. and, And thankfully, we, our community that we have on our Discord through Patreon are so embracing and welcoming and they were so excited. And so those are the people we just try to focus because they're the ones that have hope in this world and the rest of the people that are, are making extremely short-sighted uh, opinions based on, on on things that are not relevant to the quality of things like color commentary uh, will be left behind uh, by society and, and probably rightly so. Um, but let's go ahead and move into what we're going to be talking about in this episode. As a, as a review, uh, some of the things we, we pulled out of this one are, are the lineup that Tuchel put out. Man, did that stir uh, the responses on, on social media. Uh, but we'll go ahead and talk about how it, it worked. All right. Got another clean sheet. And then we can even touch on Tuchel's overall impact on this team in, in a short time at Chelsea. Then we'll spotlight two players, specifically Kai Averts and Andres Christensen. Plus, if you all want to you know, pull anyone else out to talk about. Obviously we'll do that in the second part. And then and then the third part, hey, it's big picture time. There's only 10 more matches for Chelsea in this season, which seems crazy at March 8th. Uh, but I should say Premier League matches left. We still have FA yeah. Cup and, and Champions League, thankfully. So well, the uh, Champions before- League final just adds so many matches to the agenda, oh Brandon. God. Oh my God. That's that's no. true. We'll have to see what 538 has to say about that. So uh, as you all know, before we get into it, we do have the three-word match reviews to help us. Give us a little temp check, pulse check, Dana, on where everyone's at with this one. Yeah, we had, we had plenty today. SD Chells with the fresh Kaiser roll. And he Beautiful. also offered up a following explanation because he said there was three levels to it. Fresh, because Kai hasn't started a lot lately, but also relates to being right out of the oven. Kai, that's his name. Kaiser, Kaiser Roll. It's a German-Austrian bread product. Kai is German. And then Roll, we're on a roll, bruh. 
definitely gave the most thorough description <laughs> of everything you need to understand about that three word match review. Uh, Thomas, with hey buddy, out we of got it. <laughs> we, we got we got that one. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Uh, our, our boy Adi with uh, CBS is blue. Maybe a little throw to Jenny being on the show here. Uh, Polly with the Cobra Kai Havertz, uh, which is going to, I think, be a pretty popular one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vikings uh, saying that he was uh, going with the cheating because he added a fourth one. I'm going to help him out and make it three. Shoulder to Kai on. I'm going to add a hyphen there for him mm-hmm. and make it work. And then uh, Kate, wonderful member of our Discord community, um, probably also saying best birthday gift, not just for the Chelsea men's win, uh, but also beating uh, the West Ham women in the Derby this weekend. So, uh, yeah. yeah, lots Happy of birthday, London is blue elements. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love Paulie's Atlando Lakes. Uh, talk about Midwestern and very Minnesotan. I wonder, oh. wonder if he was one of my fellow statesmen <laughs> with that handle. Um, all right, over to the host three-word match review. I said the streak continues. We are rolling on. Keep it simple. Dan, I think he forgot a word. No, yeah. I, I mean, I, I you know, I, I took the apostrophe and I'm giving myself credit for the is. I've just brought oh. it in. Uh, like the wire, when Omar was coming, you know, people got scared. People were frightened, right? Kai's coming. Oh my Kai's God. coming. Hide your kids. Hide your defenders. He's gonna come in oh and destroy God. your defense. Ka- Kai's uh, coming. Kai's uh, coming. No, you, you just broke three word match review. This is your thing, and you just broke it. Yeah, you really uh, did. Play by yeah, your own rules. Nick, <laughs> Nick, bring us back. I really thought mine was the worst, but then Dan had to go do that travesty. So. Uh, there was a whole discussion around the amount of shots one would take if, you know, I said a certain thing on Twitter. So I'm going shot, shot, shot. There's going to be a lot of discussion about shots writ large throughout the show, and uh, and we're going to get into it. So uh, get your get your favorite liquor ready. Sponsored by LMFAO, Jenny. Over to you. <laughs> uh, mine's kind of boring, but let's trust Tuchel. I I feel like you know beforehand people always question the way he's going to come, and I don't think. You should just believe that, you know, he has something cooking and uh, we'll see. Wow. Reasonable. Rational. We love it. Level headed. I like shot, that. Shot, shot better. And <laughs> considering your guys' tweets about it, however many times someone says something, we're taking shots. Uh, a little more fitting. <laughs> of wheat grass. Anyways, never mind. That's a throwback <laughs> to an old movie. Oh, my gosh. All right. Gratitudes and housekeeping. Thank you so much to Will, Dalton, and Almar for joining us on Patreon. They will be in the Discord if they're not already. Dan, you have five-star reviews. The shout-outs continue. Yeah, Apple Podcasts, five-star reviews. You leave one, you get us to shout out your name at the beginning of the episode. Uh, get the game and Joe Size LA uh, from LA, uh, all leaving some wonderful reviews, five stars. Do it. We'll get you a hit up on the next one. I just thought, like, what if we actually yelled their, like, shouted their name? That All right, never mind. I'm in a bad place right now with my immaturity level. Nick, over to you. A uh, little little housekeeping. Uh, Matt Law Pod later this week. Those are always a delight. So get in on on that one. Uh, merch. Holy crap, we're getting close. Uh, we just talked to our friends at Blue Wire minutes ago, and and we're getting real close close on on the merch side. Hopefully uh, very soon. Uh, so I, I will not commit to a date, but uh, bang on someone else's door on that one. And then look. We did our first locker room yesterday. It was awesome. We had a good time with it. Uh, We did a little Everton preview. We got all the lineup predictions wrong per usual. We got score predictions wrong per usual. So, you know, not not a lot. 
Brandon. Uh, a big, big Nash called the uh, called the Pickford penalty. So we got him the shout out for that. That is true. That was, true. A that was inspired actually call. Well, well done. I did. I did call a penalty, but for the fact that he called it Pickford, uh, I mean, obviously it kind of have to be Pickford, most likely not a handball. It was amazing. Nash, you are uh, a bit of a medium. So in case you're confused, locker room is a competitor to clubhouse. So the idea, it's an audio room. We can call people up. We can have discussions and it's cool because you can export the audio into podcast. So we put that in our feed, which you probably weren't expecting to see today. So surprise, you're welcome. <laughs> um, all right, match review time. It was Everton in the Premier League this past Monday, the 8th of March at Stamford Bridge. Scoreline Chelsea 2, Everton nil. We're going to go ahead and send it over to friends at the 5th stand app, uh, the only official Chelsea FC app. Again, they're just nice enough to let us use the audio to enrich our, enrich our audio experience. So if you haven't, go download the app. Uh, you won't regret it. Here we go. It's in a doy. Good ball into Alonso, and it back for Havertz, yeah. oh, deflection takes it in, and Chelsea go in front, Kai Havertz will claim it, excellent build-up play again from the Blues. And the deflection off of Godfrey takes it into the back of the net. Now Alonso, he's in here, can he make it two, deflection, actually turned it into a very good save from Jordan Pickford. Got the cross, Mendy came and got something on it. Alobi reacting quicker than Alonso. For Gomez. Okay, Gomez at least dirties the gloves of Edouard Mendy. Locked in by Hudson Adoy. Havertz! That's brilliant. Black's gone up for now. Is this handball or offside? I think he's saying handball. Better from this angle, perhaps. It's a shoulder for me. Just the inside of his shoulder. Free kick. Free kick, no goal. Havertz through again here. Pickford came off his line. Did he bring him down? Penalty. And Jordan Pickford knew it. Jorginho versus Pickford. 2-0, easy as you like. The hop, skip, jump is back. Oh, here's Werner. Can he wrap it up once and for all? He probably should have done. It's a good save from Pickford. Davis. Dispossessed easily by Mount. On for Werner. It's Timo Werner. Still it won't go in. Maybe Kante will. Good save from Pickford. Chelsea could have been well out of sight by now. The first Premier League manager to see his team keep a clean sheet in each of his first five home games but that is secondary really to a big three points here tonight Chelsea 2 Everton nil. two goals two goals two goal two goals all right that's not something we get to say too often so Dan run us through this wild irresponsible lineup that Tommy T put out yeah, just another winning lineup from uh, Thomas Tuchel. So uh, anyway, Edouard Mendy between the sticks, Andreas Christensen, Kurt Zuma, and Cesar Aspilicueta were your back three. Marcus Alonso, Jorginho, Mateo Kovacic, and Reese James were the midfield four. And then you had a very fluid front three of Timo Werner, Callum Hudson-Odoi, and Kai Havertz. Uh, not Averts, uh, as some of us are saying. Antonio Rudiger, Thiago Silva, Ben Chilwell, Hakim Ziyech, and Olivier Giroud, all unused substitutes. N'Golo Kante, Mason Mount, and Christian Pulisic all came in off the bench in this one. Um, 
<laughs> I did predict Calum Hudson Roy starting, but it sure wasn't that. And I'm laughing when you say it was very fluid front three because I think a lot of us saw the uh, video clip of Tuchel yelling at Timo uh, about his positioning, which, hey, fair to Tuchel. He knows what he wants. He knows what he wants to see. Uh, some of the high-level match stats, Chelsea was 65.5% possession. We had 19 shots, 9 on target. To Everton, seven shots, only the one on target. Uh, we had 18 tackles to their 10, which I think shows that we had some dominance in this one. We each had 11 clearances, seven corners to their three, one offside to their zero, which again means we were just trying harder. They had three cautions, though, so that just means they're tougher. Uh, XG. I was actually struggling to find the XG, so I found a new person at XG underscore mapper EPL. The other XG I found was said Chelsea was like a 7.32, and I just... Dan, Dan's crying inside because you you wrote really over hurt my feelings. Ka- I love Kaylee, my XG. Kaylee underscore graphics didn't have one for this one. So, anyways, XG, XG philosophy had it as well and had it as two point nine for Chelsea to point two eight for Everton. All right, well, there's your XG brought to you by not the source. This is why I don't do the script anymore because I clearly am too irresponsible. <laughs> Jenny, you do it wrong, but that's okay. Jenny, you helped me Jenny, out today. I appreciate it. Jenny, all right, thank you, Dan. Uh, Jenny, uh, we've got lineup. We've got stats. We've got XG. Dealer's choice here. Anything that stood out to you that you'd like to touch on? Hmm. Uh, I think, well, I know we're going to talk about him a little more later, but I think Andreas Christensen, I think he said he has 99 passes, 95% successful. I know last game he was incredible as well. I thought that he stood out. I know you're probably going to get into Havertz a little more later, but I had a question for you guys, and I, I didn't warn you about this so that I can have your honest opinion. Are you ready? Ready. I'm, I'm still in framing here, Brandon. Um, like I said, you can't predict. Let's just trust Tuchel, right? Um, every single time I've like put out a lineup, this is what's going to happen. I'm wrong. There's always something off. So I want to know your seven attackers, fit, fully healthy. Who are your front seven? Dan. <laughs> yeah, Dan. Oh, like, um, like, like ranked in order. No, 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 by position. Like, so if you had, like, the the front seven, who are in your front seven? Like, if everyone's healthy, because obviously, like, things were changed around today, and then I was trying to figure out how that works with Mason Mount, and I was was like, I don't know. Let me ask them. They know more. So, like, a a midfield four and a front three? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, Dan, since he stuttered, I definitely would want to have – N'Golo Kante and Kovacic in my midfield. I just think that they're a little bit more dynamic. They can almost play like a, a one-two diamond. Um, I, I think Calum Hudson-Roy has been electric on the right, which is ridiculous for me to not play Reese James because he's unbelievably talented. But for whatever reason, this just seems to be clicking a little bit better for Cal uh, at right wing back. And then on the left, uh, i got to go Alonzo. Go Alonzo. Um, which again is one of the silliest things I could think of since he didn't play for three months after West Brom. Uh, then in the attack, I would go, I would probably go Mason Mount and Olivier Giroux. And I'm probably like the problem is I have a recency bias with Kai Alberts right now and Christian Pulisic being in such poor form and injured. Uh, I, it's not going to be Timo Werner. I can't justify it. So I guess I'll go with uh, Kai just so you can have kind of a different little uh, height advantage and just a little bit of combination. So Ollie Drew up top and then Mason Mount and Kai Alberts right in behind. Done. 
Dan, are you are you ready now that you've had time to think? Yeah, I, I think I am. Um, so yeah, I guess Alonzo stays in. Um, I, I I need to fit Mason in, and I want to also get Angolo Conte in. So I'm going to leave them as the two inward, um, and then put uh, Reese James on the right. I'm going to let Callum. Uh, probably Tammy and Kai as the front three. Um, even though it's hard to leave out Timo, I know he is going to infuriate Nick to no end throughout the entirety of the season. But he contributes and he makes defense. You know, he totally distracts defenses to free up lanes for other players, which is nice when it gets really compact. So tell me I'm wrong, Nick. You were so close to being right. You were just just a <laughs> half turn. You were a half turn away from being right. I have I have Chili B out on left. I have uh, I have Reese on the right. I have Ingolo and Mason in the middle. I have um, I you know I'll throw Kai in there. A little recency bias, and then I would I would do Cal and uh, Tammy up front. We, mine's weird, but I I love it. I'm fine with it. And it, <laughs> and it and it gets people who can shoot on goal and score in there, which is fun. Okay. Thank you for answering that out of nowhere. I, I, I've been struggling with it, and I still don't know what my answer is, but you've given me options. You have until the end of the show <laughs> to tell us what you got. Well, it'll be a good thought exercise, especially you know for the listeners out there. I'm sure you all have a front seven you'd love to see. So uh, throw it at us and tag Jenny in it. So her, her links to Instagram and Twitter will be in the show notes. Uh, so make sure to give her a follow. No, seriously, just go do it. So we're going to take our quick break. When we get back, uh, it's going to be all about Tuchel, the impact of Tuchel on this team, uh, the bigger picture about how he's done and how this lineup got the, the business. So thanks to these sponsors for financially supporting the show, and we'll be right back. All right, Tuchel's now undefeated in nine Premier League matches and 11 overall. His lineup raised quite a few eyebrows, but after the result, does it just show that he's starting to understand his squad and how to get the best out of them? So Nick, Tommy T., He's doing the business, getting a lot more players involved. Kurt Zuma played today. Yeah, from the abyss. He he was brought back. Um, he was cryogenically frozen and then brought back to the lineup. And look, I mean, played well. It, it's surprised to not see Rudiger in there, honestly. Uh, you know, I, I think he's been kind of the the manager's uh, favorite since uh, since he came into the team. One so. might say the new Mason Mount. <laughs> he's only playing. <laughs> Because Tuchel's the manager. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the defense is crazy good right now. I mean, it really is. I mean, you're not even letting that many shots reach Mendy. One shot on target today. Uh, there, there was nothing doing. You, and so, look, I, I don't, I don't think the issue is the defense. You know, like we brought up a thousand times. I think this is as clinical a defense as we've seen since Antonio Conte came into the squad to see Kurt Zuma rotated in, to see Alonzo rotate in and to not have any drop off is massive. Um, you know, I think that's, that's one area I think Dan, if you wanted to point to and say like, can you bring in uh, some somewhat fresh legs and not see any drop off? And in fact, in areas see growth, like that's a huge boon for, for Tuchel for sure. It's squad management. It's getting players rotated in so you can give Ingolo Conte's tired legs a rest before I imagine he's going to run a ton against Leeds. It giving mm. Mesa Mount, who almost never gets minutes off, an opportunity to sit on the bench for a little bit and 
you know, probably Jones in to get in still because that's the type of player he is. But I, it's, it's great. It's great to bet on a lineup that maybe, again, garnered a ton of questions, had people scratching their heads, but you end up getting the results and, you know, convert a couple more of these chances. And it's probably a three nil, four nil victory versus just being a, being a two with a own goal and a penalty. So, I, I mean, you know, in that regard, Jenny, I think this is the, the trusting Tuchel piece that you're talking about. Like this was evident in today, the way it played out. He put a lineup together. It had a couple of players that drew questions but it's still produced at the end of it. I completely agree. And I think that everyone looks really confident, like completely different in the sense that, you know, they're, they're owning their, their stuff and they're maybe not as afraid as they used to be potentially in making decisions. Um, I'm trusting him because I'm kind of a fan of like control the controllables. And obviously I can't control Thomas Tuchel or the lineup that he puts out there. So I'm not going to spend my energy on it, even though I've done like seven different lineups every game. Like, which one's it going to be? <laughs> um, <laughs> You but, just give it to the, the admin, say, all right, uh, here they are. Uh, just post whichever one's right. Thanks. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, but I wonder whether, you know, things are working out and whether that's just the honeymoon phase aspect of, you know, everyone's happy right now. He's given everybody time to, you know, show their stuff. So nobody feels like they're being left out. Um, well, maybe Christian Pulisic does. But <laughs> um, does it end? Does the honeymoon end or, or do we continue on this run? What do you guys think? It has, I mean, it has to. The run has to end at some point. Why? But wow. Why? <laughs> Dan, because, Dan, I'm a pragmatist and you're an eternal optimist. And that's that's the yin and yang of this podcast. That's why. Um, <laughs> look, I, I it will end. It doesn't mean that it's going to end forever, though. I mean, it could just, you know, we could play a really bad match and, and come out on the other side of it, right? Um, but I, I think he's shown an organizational ability that's impressive. And, the, you know, the fact that he has this defense, which, you know, th- you know the back three right now are players that were not used under Lampard uh, in the first half of the season. They're playing extraordinary football is a, is a testament to his organizational skills and, and not conceding uh, crazy chances, you know, I think, which is, is helpful. So I don't know. Brandon, thoughts? Well, I mean, again, one shot on target today. That's been a pretty common theme. Statman Dave. Just bringing the fire again. Goals conceded by Thomas Tuchel this Chelsea season. <laughs> zero, 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 one, zero, zero, one, zero, 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 zero. A fourth successive clean sheet. I love Naz's tweet too. And again, we, what we love about Naz is he's a Manchester United fan covering Chelsea. So he can separate out the emotion from the team. And he says, a huge win in the context of the top four race. Another rival slapped down after Liverpool. Aggressive. Aggressive. Yeah. And again, Everton rival. Ah. Anyways, Tuchel's Chelsea won three and drew one on a run of games that saw them face Atletico Madrid away. Manchester United, Liverpool, and Everton is remarkable. Um, and then you get little things like he's the first manager in the Premier League history to get five clean sheets in, a, in his first five home match home matches. And then I love this. He's closing in on Maurizio Sarri's record, which <laughs> no one knew he had a record. Uh, but his record at Chelsea of being unbeaten in 12 games, currently 11 for Tuchel. So a, a lot has happened with him. I think we all are very well aware of his approaches, defense first, offense second. We've only scored 13 goals, which is 1.18 goals per game in his time here. We've never scored more than two. We've only scored two a handful of times. 
but we've had we've conceded no goals at home. You talk about trying to build a fortress at home. That was a, a huge part of Mourinho and Ancelotti and Conte's run. You do not lose at home. Well, if you don't concede, you're probably going to have a pretty good home record. And the fact he's only conceded two goals total, one of them being an Antonio Rudiger own goal, is is pretty, pretty good. So This, Brandon, this was that, a big win, though. I mean, it's a massive win in the top four. You have to yeah. say that. They had the game in hand, which we talked about. There's only one point difference. Now there's two points difference and a, and a game in hand. And our goal difference has also increased, as I talked about, as we try to catch Man United in second. What, four points? Four points difference, yeah. Yeah. But but the thing I think that the highlight that is what is what is so impressive here is it you know there's just not the opportunity right there there are not enough shots for opposition you know I think someone someone was like why is it Mendy in the the Dan of the match poll I'm like well Mendy only had to face a single shot on target wow. he got to take most of the game off on Mendy's anti anti goalkeeper agenda I know. Mendy's collecting a full agenda. check for a half day's work tomorrow buddy okay <laughs> hey, that's what's happening tomorrow hey poor Keppa. But against the quality of opposition, you know, when we talked about Tuchel coming in, you know, there were some games that were very winnable, gave him some opportunity to build. And we looked at this as the first real run and test that he was going to come into, Jenny. And I would say, you know, passed, like passed with pretty much flying colors in the way he integrated the results he achieved and the fact that we have been able to win games, not always in the most pretty fashion, but a win is always a win. So... No, I agree. And and I feel confident in the fact that, you know, when I'm doing my research, when Tuchel was hired, I was like, oh, this man is known for his tactics. And I totally respect people that are like cerebral enough to understand all tactics. So to see him be able to change based upon who we are, we Chelsea is playing against um, is incredibly impressive. And I, I'm excited to see where this takes us. Uh, Nick is over here saying it's going to end, but hopefully not. <laughs> It will end at some point. It has to end at some point. I mean, either yeah, either through attrition or when we face Bayern Munich in the semifinal. Like it will end at some point. It doesn't mean that it's bad that it ended. It just means that it ended. That's all. Be happy that it happened. I, I reject. I reject your premise. It never has to end. <laughs> hey, I mean, look. If Man City are going to lose to Man United and they're so damn dominant, like I'll. If that's the sacrifice you have to give up to go on a run, I think we could Talk maybe a, work with something. Talk about things I don't understand like that. I don't. I don't get it. I'm no so one. Confused. No one does because now, now Uli is apparently a good manager again, which we all know is, is not true. Um, let's go ahead and move on uh, to some of the players. I guess was there anything else you want to talk about? Tuchel's like management overall of the club and the direction he's taking us. Everything. I think we're all pretty well aligned that yes, more of that, please. The he's he's shown a lot of tough love uh, is a thing that I've picked up on. Uh, not only with notable halftime substitutions or uh, second half sub substitutions, uh, but I think just you saw how he was talking to Timo today. He was not happy. Um, and you've seen him yammer at Reese when he's on that side. You've, you've seen it. Like he's not, he's not giving these guys a pass for a bad performance, uh, which I think is, is kind of needed. It reminds me of, of, uh, of of Conte a little bit when he came in. I mean, we saw the you know we saw that team train in, during the summer, and he had Hazard running sprints after sprints after sprints. There was no let up. He knew he was going to be the best player on the team. He just had to get him in physical condition to do it. So I kind of see a little bit of that in in uh, in Tuchel as well, which is good. I I agree. The 
Thank you. It's and I, I kind of said this before in the fact that like he's worked with Neymar, Mbappe, some of the biggest players in the world. No offense, Chelsea. We don't have those players. So he if he didn't bend for them, he's definitely not bending <laughs> for Emerson Balmiri. Like that's just <laughs> the way it is. No offense on Emerson, right? Just saying it, the, the level's the level. That's where he has to be. And that and that's what I was so excited about him coming in was setting these high standards and refusing to let the players uh, underachieve at any any standpoint. Um, all right, looking over at some of the players, Kai Havertz uh, is oh back. God, so no more striker it. problems. Or maybe we have new Mason Mount problems because according to Gary Hayes in our, cl- in our locker room, <laughs> we can't have both. But you know what? Maybe we don't have either problem because social, mer- social media sure likes to stir the pot on that one. So uh, lots of talk if Kai just needed time to transition to a new league slash recover from a severe case of COVID. Or maybe Tuchel is the Kai whisperer. Either way, what'd you make of his performance today, Dan? Shake your head. Snort. I don't care. Answer the damn question. Well, I, I shook my head and Nick snorted, so I just want that on record. Um, <laughs> but look, I, I was great. Thanks, it, man. This is this is a, a visage of a Kai Havertz that we saw in highlight reels that were getting us excited as supporters for what he was going to bring to this team. A dynamic attacking player who can play a little deeper, who can make runs into the box and cause problems for defenders and has the awareness to know where to put himself in. And look, today, uh, very, very fortunate and the beneficiary of some wonderful rebounding off of Ben Godfrey to get the own goal, uh, the goal that was ruled off uh, thanks to VAR. Uh, definitely going to institute Nick's rule about nobody gets sleeves anymore on shirts no. uh, so that we can figure out where, <laughs> no, where the ball is actually hitting. Toughen up. We need, I want tank tops out there. I want to see shoulder so we know where the shoulder is. That's what I want. Uh, and then uh, and draws a penalty. So, you know, I mean, look, uh, ultimately he was involved in creating every opportunity Chelsea had today. And this is this is what you wanted to see from him. And, and so, you know, I think even more is still yet to come. And I'm really interested, Jenny, to see where he ends up because I think you know, we've, we, when he played for Leverkusen, he was used all over the place. So Tuchel really now has the opportunity to leverage an attacking asset wherever he thinks there's a deficiency in the side. No, I think that's why I asked you guys about your front seven, too, because I was like, well, this adds another layer of this that I wasn't ready for um, because he definitely needs to be there. He needs to be in the lineup if he's going to consistently perform this way. But, Brandon, the second part of your question was whether he just needed time to transition and I think that whether it was Tuchel or not, this is just me being more Dan than Nick. Um, I think he would have he would have eventually transitioned and found his footing. I think it was a time thing. It's a new country. It's he wasn't feeling it yet. I think that even if Frank Lampard was still the manager, he would have found it eventually. Um, but I'm not against Tuchel helping him find that at all. Definitely, I, it could just be as simple as the message is clear for Kai. Like it, it sounds silly. I mean, Jenny, you probably know this better than any of us on this podcast, which I can guarantee, but it's like when you get into a locker room and you get into a manager and there are different language being spoken and things like that, there are efficiencies when you speak the same language as the person giving you instructions. And we even talked about that when Petr Cech was in goal and dude spoke seven languages and he would speak like, you know, German to one person, French and Spanish, and he, he was fine. I mean, 
does that matter for a player and in a team? Yeah, I think that culture also matters. And I think that Tuchel being like aware of maybe how to speak to Kai and being familiar with that can help. Um, obviously, Timo Werner hasn't done as much that, that we wanted to see, but I think that having that familiarity will help um, a ton. I don't know. I For me, I feel like there's different coaches that I performed better for than other coaches based upon like my personal respect for them and how they spoke to me and how they led the team. Um, but that may, may just be me being sassy. I don't know. <laughs> well, and that, and that's fair, obviously, you know, to, you know, to your point, there's a lot of definitely some, some details and some things to go into it. But like I said, it's, you know, you were a professional soccer player. You, you definitely have more of an insight into that than we do. Um, you know, I mean, for God's sakes, Nick, you only studied at Oxford for a summer. There's no, there's no language barrier there for you. Yeah, it's our friend Chidge's uh, uh, note, though. It's, we're two countries separated by a body of water in one language, so um, <laughs> it's, it's fun. So Tweed, Tweed's uh, was enjoying it out today. Obviously, Joe Tweedy, uh, friend of the pod, delighted with Kai Havertz, Havertz, 29 this evening, starting to show glimpses of Got his him. quality Shot. and an Shot. adaptation to Premier League football. Him being fit and hopefully finding his form is a massive bonus heading into the final part of the season. And Naz just dropping the hammer again with some stats. Dan, you like numbers. You like stats. I won't steal this treat from you. I know. I'm giddy over here with the numbers. Uh, 15.57 kilometers distance covered. Nope. 32.42 nope. Not even remotely close. <laughs> you, missed, you, missed four, you missed four kilometers on there, man. You can't. <laughs> what are you doing? I love what numbers. Too giddy, too giddy, Dan. Make them up, Dan. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the points don't matter. Look, he had 2,000% pass accuracy in the final half. Uh, he won about 5,000% of his duels. Uh, actually, apparently, he won four penalties. Uh, we just didn't convert the other three. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, look, uh, 32.4 uh, top speed kilometers per hour, 11.57 kilometers distance covered. Uh and then uh, 71.4% duels won, 95.8% pass accuracy in the opposition's half. Uh, great numbers for someone who is being asked to be in an attacking role. And and what I liked, what I saw, Nick, and I know this is the Nick Verlaine patented eye test. The so NPET, not, yes. The NPET. Yes. I'm, I'm encroaching on your, your neighborhood mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Um, the runs he was making and the way he was holding off for whether it was like Aspi or Reese – um, to make sure that he was not going to put himself in a position where he was offside. Uh, really, really great timing on some of those runs. Yeah, I think I think the end pet today is all about his spatial awareness, uh, which was lacking earlier in the season. Like he was getting caught. You know, if you think back to the Everton match in December, he was getting caught from behind and didn't quite know where the spacing was on the pitch. Didn't know where his teammates were. Kind of just looked lost out there, to be honest. Like, but. I think today the the impet's telling you that he's starting to figure this out. He's starting to figure out how to use his body um, in the Premier League too. Because look, he's not he's not thick with two C's by any means, but he's he's a big guy. I mean, he's six three and and certainly can throw some weight around. And I think there's I think there's some growth here that we saw today, which is good. And like I'm not willing to proclaim him back an everyday starter yet because you know one match does not make that out of a out of a player, but. 
Apparently, uh, I there didn't. were some really encouraging signs. Yeah, Brandon's already made him uh, the no- number one name on the team sheet. He's forgotten about Mason Mount altogether and has moved on uh, one match later. But yeah, it was it was really encouraging. Mason, who? No, Mason doesn't play <coughs> oh, false gosh. nine. You don't have to worry about that. There we go. Hey, the stat I want to focus on is the ninety five point eight percent pass actually in the opposition's half. Jenny, that's where you take risks. That's where you take gambles. He was a false nine with his back to goal, yet he was able to be more accurate than most players are like as a center back or in the midfield to have that in the opposition fact that blows my mind and and really just speaks to just how freaking accurate or just effective he was in that role today. I think it speaks to that confidence that we weren't really seeing before too, you know, to take those chances in the opposition has half, um, I think he glides. I just wanted to mention that. And it doesn't make any sense, but he, I was trying to look really closely at his play and he, I almost missed it while I was only tracking him. And I'm not even like in the field, I'm outside and I'm trying to track him. And he like glides through, um, completes the passes so crisp and he doesn't look like he just knows his awareness of the game. I don't know. I, I am very impressed by him today. And I think it's funny how <laughs> you guys make the joke about forgetting Mason Mount, but I think that, you know, months ago I was on Chelsea mic'd up and I mentioned that if we feed him the ball a ton of times, he will gain confidence. It's a matter of just like giving him more time, giving him more chances because he is an extraordinary player and the price tag says so. So let him mess up, let him mess up a hundred times. And then he'll, he'll start to get some, some confidence. I think that today showed you, he has that quality, give him the opportunity. He does. He, he, what did I call him? Gangle sore when we signed him and everyone laughed at that because he's just tall and looks awkward, but he just moves. Like it, it's one of those things. He just, he was built for football and you just don't get it. You look at him, you're like, him. you can't even walk normally, Kai, but yet you are the most efficient mover across a football pitch. Him and, and Alonzo running together down the left today, it's hilarious because they Galloping. both have that that lengthy stride, but they're covering a bunch of ground at the same time, right? Like It's not like the run. I mean, he got up to what, 32 kilometers an hour. Like it's quick. Like he, and he does have quickness. He's just not classically fast. Like Callum is, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't move at the speed where you're like, Oh God, who's that? You know, he kind of sneaks up on you a little bit, but look, he was great today. And he took, you know, what you want to see from this team, right? Alonzo, Zuma, all the guys who came in in the starting lineup, take your chances. If you get a chance to start, take your chances. He took his chance. That was great. All right. That was Thank an you. emphatic way to end that point. So I just, I just had to let it sit for a second. Let it breathe. All right. Next one up. How about Mr. New Four-Year Contract, Andreas Christensen? Has the narrative ever changed as fast as this? No. Maybe Alonzo. But no. There are lots of narratives that change quickly when it comes to Chelsea and players, but th- this is this is a positive one. If in the the sphere of it, we talk about the fact that look came came through Cobham. You know, I, I think people tend to forget yeah. he is a Cobham graduate. He, he is. He counts as a graduate. He counts as a Cobham graduate. I, I'll give you that. Came through Cobham. I might question that. Uh, came when he was sixteen. Half okay, and half. but let. Yeah, well, yeah. Look, you get the like you 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 technically qualify under the realms of squad composition in the UK, and he that is, is homegrown. That I'm he using. is homegrown. Fair enough. Yes, but um, yes. 
So, I mean, but look, I mean, we, we were thinking that at some point this season, he was last in the depth chart, you know, basically the, the cover center back who was going to never make a game again um, and somehow finds himself vaulted into the prime position in a back three as the distributor, as the facilitator, and more likely than not gets a contract extension here and extends his stay at Chelsea versus most likely uh, getting flipped and sold in the summer to to try and maybe fund a, a big transfer someplace else. And you know, I think maybe the question will be is, does Tuchel think about a back four next season? And then what does that do to Andre Christensen then? But at least in this He reversed three, the reverse. Nodding, Can you believe it? <laughs> Christensen's he, back he's out. Gonna, he's going to uno reverse the uh, the lineup back to a back hey. four. And uh, Andreas Christensen might be questioning where his spot Honestly, is Honestly, that's the most Chelsea thing ever, right? You think about that. Like, you get a new, like, Andreas Christensen frozen out under Frank. Get a new manager. Starts. Integral to the success of the team. Tuchel changes. We give him a huge extension. Marcus Alonso. New manager comes in. Barely plays, sits on bench on high wages, doesn't leave for four years. New manager comes in at three and a half years. He's back to integral. Like what? What a roller coaster for some of these players. If you have a long term contract at Chelsea, you're on a two and a half manager cycle, right? So there is a there's a chance that you're going to play for a period of time either way. So look, if you're Andreas Christensen and you get a payday, good for you. I will never fault anyone for earning their money, but. The back three is where he belongs. Like, there is no doubt about that in my mind. So if we don't play that formation next year, do you sign him to the four-year extension in hopes that you just up his buyout clause? Seems reasonable. A two-and-a-half-year manager cycle, Jenny. I think that is the thing that hit me hard right there. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, I mean, everything changes depending on the manager. You know, like I said, there were some managers I was more willing to play well for, some managers that I wasn't. Um it's very interesting how he gave everybody that was maybe kind of shooed away by Frank Lampard the opportunity to get a fresh start and to, you know, prove themselves, whether there were rumors, whether there was something in the media. He was like, nope, everyone gets their chance. And we see Marcos Alonso on, on the pitch. I I don't know. Um, I, I'm hoping that this time we keep a manager for longer than your, your two and a half year cycle. <laughs> Um, but but I'm impressed with how quickly things can change, for sure. One, it's one and a half years on average, which means that a four-year cycle, you go through two and a half managers, which is great. All right. Well, I That's guess... That's just pure math for you in your well, face, Brandon. He said you went to Oxford. Oxford. Yeah. Is that where that came from, that whole math? Yeah. From a, I'm a for, genius, for a Jenny. Summer. I'm a genius. Hey. For a summer. <laughs> And that faded with all the beers, I'll tell you that. Hey, all the let, numbers were gone. Jenny, let's bring it back to... It was a degree in drinkology is what it was. <laughs> Not even mixology. Anyways, uh, let's bring it back to Christensen's on-field performances and not his yo-yo career and whether or not he was accredited at Cobham or not. Uh, you had some pretty pretty strong superlatives from earlier in the podcast, so I thought I'd give you the runway to kind of talk about him a little bit. 99 passes, 95% successful. I think that is an, is that, is that right, Dan? Am I making that up? No, that sounds about right. I mean, he also had a hundred percent pass accuracy in the last game and then was in the high nineties against United as well. I think about 95, 96. So he is, uh, you know, you know, he's getting A's, 
you know, if we're talking about grades here, because like, school is apparently is the theme of this episode, uh, he's getting A's for his passing abilities. But I think he's good degrees, Dan. I, I think it's interesting how he was ready. You know, you're saying, you know, he wasn't playing for a long period of time. I haven't been, you know, involved with Chelsea as long as you guys have, but he was ready um, when it did, when it was his opportunity and showed that he was staying locked in. Yeah, he was getting a payday. Maybe you don't have to stay locked in, but he was. And he was ready for it when it, when he got his chance. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed the fact that he has come in and played well centrally. I actually enjoyed the fact that he was progressing a little further forward this match. So he was, um, when we kind of think about his career when he was on loan at uh, Mönchengladbach, you know, he played in that central position as well. He would advance the ball forward, uh, very comfortable actually moving it at speed too, uh, and kind of getting it out to Aspi or getting it um, back to Zuma and trying to kind of continue the progression. Because um, again, look, you know, in most of the games that Everton has had, they typically don't end up having 34% possession. Like they, they tend to vie a little bit higher than that, that 40s, mid 40s, where they're kind of at you know, the half and half type of time frame. And so if you can deny, like, you know, Christensen helped do, Asby helped do, and Zuma did, if you can deny opportunities, it's going to be really hard for another team to get any opportunity. You know, I mean, Lucas Digne's free kick was the uh, best opportunity that they had to score. And that was only like a 0.1 XG. Every other attempt, like Richarlison's, you know, kind of crazy whining and moaning in this match was only like a 0.08 XG for him. So, like, th- this is great. Christensen was the rock today, but the whole defense was fantastic. Uh, Zuma okay, was I have a like, question. Go ahead. Sorry, Brent. I keep, I keep cutting you off. Very um, good. All our defenders, who do you feel has the best long ball, through ball, and behind? Silva. Yeah. I would say Silva, too. Oh, that's a tough one. I, I think, you know... If Rudiger it, could do it consistently, it would be him. But he it's like one out of four with him is like really good switch. Yeah, I don't know if we're also including um, our wingback population as well. I mean, James has a great cross, but it just apparently can never... There, there's never usually anybody in the box to convert on it, which is a big problem. Um, and, and Alonzo actually had some really good... Um, has had some good passes the past couple of weeks that have been uh, fun to watch. Also had a amazingly wonderful opportunity that should have gone in and Pickford just pulled it. Like, Pickford went to sleep for like five minutes in this match. And then the chaos ensued for the rest of it. He was pulling some saves out of his ass that, you know, he just typically doesn't do unless he's playing Chelsea. Is that saved if, if he uses his right foot instead of his left foot though, to shoot it. Mm. I, I brought this up in our, in our little group text, but I was like, I don't remember Marcus Alonso ever having a chance that clear cut and him not scoring. Like that's, that has to be one of the easiest chances he's ever had to score at Chelsea. And he's scored far harder opportunities. Uh, let's remember his first goal of the season off the knee, off the chest and in with the left foot wrapped around. Like, it's crazy to me that he just didn't put that far post. I think that's the that's the mistake. And Gola, yeah, maybe. Angola Conte should have scored. <laughs> uh, look, no, back, no. back. No, 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 no. Timo <laughs> Werner should have scored. <laughs> N'Golo shouldn't have even been involved in that play, and we're going to talk about that now. Let's go. Shot time. Not, not, 
Look, I look. I just want to say with the Christensen, right? Uh, I I have been someone who is has been very open in the keep sell loans during the summer that I I'm ready to sell him. I'm ready to sell him. Thing just goes to show, like how hard it's been for these players to settle with all the managers chopping, changing. We talk about how you've got Antonio Conte players, Marcus Alonso. You've got Maurizio Sarri players, Jorginho. You have Frank Lampard players, which you could essentially say Kai Averts and Mason Mount and Reese James. And now we need to find Tuchel players. And it's, 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 it, it's, I guess for me, it's like, it shows you kind of the ins and outs and the mental challenges that these players have to go through of, you know, playing week in, week out. So literally overnight, Kurt Zuma is struggling to get minutes and he was one of our biggest minutes player. And so it's, uh, I, I, as much as, you know, I do say, Hey, I'm not a big fan of Christensen. I just don't think he's built from the Premier league. The system suits him. He's playing phenomenally well. His ability on the ball is surprising me and I'm unbelievably impressed with it. You just look at when he gives it to Zuma and Zuma can't get it off his foot fast enough because he doesn't want anything to do with it, which is fine because Zuma has other strengths when it comes to defending. It's a, it's a role that he fits so well, but I still take Tiago Silva in front of him. Um, so Nick, you want to talk about Timo. I did put Naz's tweet here. So Taisto FCB tweeted, uh, the only good thing about empty stadiums is hearing what managers say, and Tuchel was having none of Werner. Quotation, this is the quote from, from Tuchel. Timo, how long are you staying on the left? You're playing on the right. The last 15 minutes you've been on the left. Don't you understand? End quote. And that was in English. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, that's like that's like when, you're, when your parents call you by your full name. And you're Nicholas. Like, oh, oh, that's not good. Game over. Uh, Naz's t- <laughs> tweet is equally good. Uh, no wonder I was confused about his position in the first half. He got a huge telling off in the second half, too. Werner's response was to gesture like the shoulder shrug emoji back to him. <laughs> no English gaffer. <laughs> I, what? what was it? Uh, well, look. and and if you look at the timestamp, though, that happened in the 25th minute when he actually got it figured out and flipped to the other side. <laughs> Surprise! We actually helped produce a goal. Crazy. Two left feet, uh, which brings me to his finishing. Um, he should have had a hat trick in this game. He had the he had clear cut chances to have a hat trick in this game. I don't know what the deal is. Like his the last one in particular, where he's one on one with the goalkeeper with a gaping amount of room on the far post. And he decides to take a left-footed shot at the near post where Pickford's face is. It it show it it's wor- it worries me, man. It really does. Like this is this is not a this is not how a, a fifty million, a million pound striker should perform at all. And I I've been hard on him this year, no doubt. Like I have been. It's been one of my bugaboos this entire year, but. It, this is going to cost us. Like his lack of finishing is going to cost us in a game where Kai isn't creating, Mason isn't creating, Alonzo isn't creating. Like he has to be the guy to put these away. Otherwise, you can't play him. You can't play him. It's not enough to just run fast in this game. Uh, otherwise, you know we'd have other players out there. Like it really bothers me. And like the the second to last one, I could have finished. I'm guarantee you. Like it's crazy. It is it, honestly crazy at this point. If speed were the only thing, this would be EA Sports FIFA because speed is what wins that game. Um, 
Uh, look, I, I predicted he'd be our most important player this season. I made a bet with my Liverpool buddy that he'd score over 17 and a half goals this season. Hey, they're still in the league. Uh huh. Yeah. In the Premier League. Uh, so obviously Jenny, for me, I'm probably reeling the most when it comes to Timo, but it's just because we saw the highlight, but it's just like we saw Kai. I mean, he one time finishes the confidence, um, you know, ability to, you know, he just seemed to be very clinical with his feet and got himself in dangerous positions. Again, just hasn't clicked. He's gotten a huge run, but like I, I still think Timo will come good. I mean, he's been too good in his career not to. Okay, so I'm I could obviously look this up myself, but I have the experts here in you guys. So my question is, does he miss so many chances because he creates more chances than another striker would have? Because he does make those runs in behind. So maybe he's not finishing them, but he's creating more than if we had put someone else there, or he's just missing everything. He's, he's a volume shooter, right? But in the NBA, if you're a volume shooter, you better be Steph like or, or Clay, right? The person who gets a lot of shots but makes a lot of shots. You, you, can't, you, you can't be me out there shooting three-pointers in the NBA. Like, and, th- and that's essentially what, we, what I think he's going through. And I, I know Dan disagrees with me. It's been one of our great debates all season. But, yeah. I mean, some of these opportunities were not – ultra challenging today, Dan. These are not like massive opportunities. All he has to do is chip the ball over an outrushing goalkeeper, which he's done a million times in his career. And he's just, I don't think he's clicked. It, it's so odd because, so, you know, you, you talk about me a volume shooter. I will say in the Premier League, yes, he does have the most shots out of any player for Chelsea. Uh, it's 62. Uh, total shots on target is 25. Uh, shot on target percentage, 40.3%. He's averaging... Um, 2.76 shots per 90 minutes, um, 1.1 shots on target per 90. So he has a version percentage at expected goal of 9.1 and he only has five. This is one of the largest underperforms of his entire career. And he, he's like over 15,000 minutes in terms of playing, you know, as a, a professional level and like, just as le- as much as we want to be like, oh my gosh, Christian Pulisic, like you know, had this amazing pro- project restart, which was the high high point, the high watermark of where his attacking prowess has been. Like this is the lowest it has been for Timo Werner ever, 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 ever. And I mean, like the next highest in terms of maybe like percent shot on target would be Tammy, um, who is a slight overperform. So forty one point nine percent of his shots are on target. He has six goals. Uh, XG of 5.6. So he's a slight overperform. Uh, the majority of our team, though, is underperforms. Timo's an underperform. Um, Ziyech is underperform. Reese is underperform. Uh, Pulisic's underperform. Kovacic, no surprise, underperform. Uh, Kai Havertz underperform. Um, actually, Mason is plus one versus the goals that he would be expected to have. Um, and then Giroud are the, the other one that are ahead. So most of our team underperforms. It's just that he takes has more opportunities to to show that he didn't hit the target. <laughs> so, Jenny, if you look at just Timo and not compare him to the, to the club, he's he's pretty much right on par for goal creation um, or goal creating actions in a match. He's at 0.62 last season at Leipzig. He's 0.61. Then he's 0.57, 0.58. So he's been pretty consistent the last four seasons. I think to that point, because again, stats can be whatever you want them to be. It shows it. 
he's still creating and doing the same actions that he has been. It's just the end product isn't there as we know, because, you know, he's scoring far, far more goals than, than we've seen this season, but it, it's, I don't know. It's just not clicking for the poor guy. I mean, I get it. It's really hard to be a striker. Um, I did play striker for some of my career and sometimes it just doesn't click and then it starts clicking and you're on a run. And that's what, you know, Chelsea fans can hope for that, that he'll start clicking and and completely blow everyone and every doubter and shut us up, you know, completely. It's a mental thing as well. You know, I think that sometimes we overlook that aspect. We can look at the stats, we can look at whatever we gave Kai Havertz, a little more room to breathe because of the COVID situation and the injury situation, but it is still the same circumstance of being in a new team, a new country, a new, you know, COVID era completely. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a really hard year to be coming into all of this. So as much as I want to show grace, because that is like my, my, my nature, I do understand the frustration. Like it, there are, as Nick said, opportunities that I feel I can finish. And I don't ever say that. I don't, I'm not, I'm not Nick. And I don't always say that. <laughs> Take take four shots for that one, people listening in your face. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It, it, look, he's got five goals uh, in the Premier League this season. We got ten matches left. I just need thirteen goals out of Timo. <laughs> Win my bet. Everything's gonna be great. Look, dude, he could get. The, here's the crazy. Well, let run through the. He could get. Let's there. look at. Let's look at what we got. Right. Yeah. He, the chances are there. The opportunities are there for him to do it. You got should add three. You got Leeds United this coming Saturday, right? Weird team. They've been super up and down. Bielsa magic voodoo hoodoo. Uh, the, so again, there's only ten matches left in the Premier League. So then our next, then we have Champions League FA Cup. We don't come back till April third in the league with West Brom. Should be pretty straightforward, especially when we pull Connor Gallagher out of their lineup, who's one of their best players. Uh, then you've got Crystal Palace, very winnable. Brighton extremely winnable West Ham actually might be a top four decider <laughs> Fulham yes. extremely winnable Man City honestly might have the league locked up at that point and could care less super winnable loving it yep <laughs> Arsenal it's a derby so complications are there Leicester City might be down and out at that point if not gonna be tough and then Villa at the end who will be safe and drunk and happy there's a really big stretch of games you say what three four matches out of this out of this last stretch that you kind of have to worry about but if you have six games you essentially assuming the way things are going chalk up as wins that's a huge step in the right direction dan are there any ones that i maybe oversimplified or underestimated in this run that maybe you're a little bit more worried about well i I know you guys gave me a lot of crap for calling this like all of the all these are final right like In reality, every single match for the remainder of the season is a final with how tight the margins are. Like losing, you know, dropping two points because you had a draw versus a win is going to be massive. You know, we we just saw today West Ham rise back up the table. Everton aren't far behind us. You know, United magically pulled out a win against Manchester City. Where we're like, oh my gosh, they're walking with the title. Well, let's delay that by a week. They'll still get the title, but... Let's delay it by week. Um, so like, and, and Leicester, you know, are still finding ways to win even when they have bad performances. So mm-hmm. we can't count on luck to carry us through. You know, it's a make your own way situation. And look, we are in a driver's seat position right now based upon what Tuchel has done for us and, and what the team has executed on. But we need to win Leeds, West Brom, Palace, Brighton, 
um, Fulham, Villa, the Arsenal match, and basically make it where the City, Leicester, um, and West Ham results are the ones where you maybe can give yourself a little bit of flexibility. Everything else is a must win. What a world that West Ham is far more important than Arsenal. Like, look at but I'm saying, look at yourselves in the mirror, Arsenal. David Moyes might be a manager of the season. Uh, Jenny, you you want to pipe in? Yes. Okay. Which one of you three had Werner in your front seven, your dream front seven? Anyone? I don't think either. Dan did. Dan, one hundred percent did. I remember you saying you were gonna you're gonna give him a chance. (laughs) Yeah, Dan would. Classic. So then, my question is for you, Dan. Um, How much more time do you give him? Say you start him and. Start him for the next few matches. How many matches do you give him before you're like, all right, pull the plug. Take a holiday. Catch in July. Here's, here's the thing, though. Like, at least recently, like, Timo is not causing us, you know, lost games, right? Like, I mean, you know, to, to the credit, like, we are still finding ways to win. Um, you would hope that he breaks through. Like, it, I, I mean, I just don't know how detrimental it would be. You know, we talk about the confidence thing. Like, if he starts riding the bench for the last couple of games of the season as it gets tight, like, will he ever think, like, he can be a part of this system and ever be counted upon to deliver in the future? I don't know. Um, I am inclined to go with the lineup that's going to win. And I'm interested to see over the next one or two matches if he and Kai can build something. You know, they, they play on the German national team together. They do know each other a little bit more intimately than some of the other relationships they may have on the team. And so I think he at least gets probably through West Brom Palace and maybe then there's a thought of what happens with Brighton forward because that's when you start hitting a couple of defenses that are going to be a little bit more stingy than what we've seen so far. I, I think that's the, the as I'm looking at this, upcoming fixture list like think about some of the teams that we struggled against this year they you know the the top six you know has been semi-competitive especially since Tuchel got in but we've struggled against West Brom early in the season you know the Palace game was relatively straightforward Brighton was a struggle first game in the season you know that was, that game was a competitive jitters. game I know but like we struggled against Fulham and Fulham's on a on a tear right now. Like I'm not as worried, frankly, on a about tear. they they won they two, are. lost one, and drawn two for them. <laughs> like let's... that's a that's little Fulham. Come on, um, Leeds. I'm not as worried about Arsenal. I'm not as worried about Leicester's going to be really competitive. I think those squads are aligned, and I think Villa will be semi tough. But you know, it, I'm I'm kind of worried about some of the like taking some of these smaller teams for granted because we haven't necessarily played well against anyone except the middle of the table this year. So, mm. okay. Well, I'm wor- I'm filled with worry as I normally am. All right. Right in despair. That, that is your, uh, that is your brand and your trademark and you're continuing to push it forward. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, move to the end of this, this one with the Dan of the match. Yeah, it was uh, no surprise. Kai Havertz, 87.2%. Christensen in second place, 7.6%. Hudson Adoy, 4.4%. I threw Zuma in there. It could have been Zuma. It could have been Aspie. It could have been a bunch of people. Kai Havertz was going to run it. Could it have been maybe the second goal scorer? Jorginho? J5? J5 took a couple really interesting shots in this game (laughs) that I just want to call into question. Uh, Put one in the back of the net, just saying. Little little harsh on Kel, who I thought was good 
Yeah. yeah. Kai was just Kai was just yeah. You know, there's a lot of positivity around Kai getting back. I know. And his I best. know. There's a narrative like, element to the Dan of the Match. Book. Jenny is not Jenny, all science. Do you want to pile on this uh, Dan of the Match ha- hazing? Um. Yeah. I don't know why Zoom was on there. Sorry, Dan. Really like you. Don't know why Zoom was on there. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> He's got nothing. All right. So anyways, some of the results from the rest of, um, I guess, technically match week 27, 28, depending on where you're at. Um, I should make sure I have the the right results here before I do something stupid. Um, so it looks like Burnley drew Arsenal 1-1. Did you see that Granite Shaka essentially assist in off Ashley Wood's chest? Incredible Chris stuff. Wood's chest? Um, shocking. Uh, Southampton back on track with the win at the expense of Sheffield United 2 nothing. Wolves Villa nil nil. Brighton one Leicester two. Uh, West Brom Newcastle nil nil. Can't imagine how bad that was to watch. Fulham one Liverpool nil. Yeah, amazing. That that hurts. But then you've got United two City nil. Shock easily. I would probably say that is a bigger shock than Fulham over Liverpool with Liverpool's form right now. Uh, Tottenham four, Crystal Palace one. Was that double from Harry Kane and Gareth Bale? Yeah, no, that, Marino. it's actually a little scary heading into the end of the season here. If he gets them firing, um, I would be more concerned about them than what? West Ham and Everton for trying to climb up well, here. Good thing we've already played them, got that out of the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, West Ham two leads nil. So um, West Ham, man, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it's, this has been for weeks now. I'm telling you, that team is just sturdy. They're they're not they're not going anywhere in this. And if you're Liverpool and you're looking up at three spots before you reach us in fourth, and you see West Ham as a barrier, that's that's crazy tough now for them. I'm telling yeah. you. <laughs> oh, especially with Tottenham's apparently a little bit of resurgence. They've won three in a row. Uh, after losing multiple in a row, Liverpool—they really don't seem much Eighth. hope, Jenny. Well, exactly. So I mean, Liverpool looking up—you've got Tottenham, Everton, West Ham just before you even get to the top four, and they all have matches in hand on you. The only one is still Villa's got the two, which kind of puts them in a weird position. Um, they could go from ninth to 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 six if they win all theirs, but this table—it is an absolute just traffic jam. How confident are you guys in Chelsea making the top four? So many questions. This is this has been tough. I I don't think it's actually going to be a problem. I think we will give me a percentage. Give me a percentage. Damn. Top four. Uh, I'm I'm in the ninety five percentile range. Oh what? Yeah. Oh my God, you're insane. The only the only question to Dan is how high, baby? How high? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, Dan thought we were going to lose the title by one point too. So let's uh, let's remember <laughs> our preseason predictions. Um, uh, look, uh, still mathematically possible that we end up in second place. I actually look. This is only four points. It's not the it's not the most wild thing. And we play. Uh, you know, we get to play Leicester, right? So like we can climb them. Like so, we could end up in third. Not a, not a problem. Um, I just keep that in mind. Keep these things in mind that we we are in a bit of an opportunity and have the ability to drive just, ourselves in. Just keep in mind, Nick. So I'll just keep it in mind. Jenny's like, what can you control? We I, can control our results. I'm going to keep it in mind, Dan, as I give you a 60% confidence that I think we'll make top four. More than half. 
But I mean, it look. It's optimistic for you. It really is. I mean, we're what the West Ham game in hand really matters. Like, I think that's the one I'm looking at more than Everton, more than Villa. I think I think that's the one that I'm looking at. Is like if if they can somehow drop points, which I mean, God, when was the last time they did that? Um, Manchester United a couple months ago. I mean, like they've been on this crazy run. If they drop points, then I'll feel a little bit better. And Leicester have a knack for kind of sliding at the very end of the season, so hopefully that trend continues. But I don't know, Jenny. I'm sixty percent. I probably I probably split the difference a little bit, like seventy five percent, eighty percent. I I actually think that there's going to be more shuffling at the top downwards, and there's going to be more pressure going up. Um, I, I honestly would need to look at Man United's run in and Leicester City's run in too, just to kind of see if it's if it's super hellacious. But when I look at our last ten matches, it's a lot better than last season when we did get top four. Oh, the, the end of the run last season, Jenny, was horrific, but we somehow pulled it out. And credit to Frank, credit where it is due. What's your confidence on meter, Jenny? Oh. Hmm? No, no, no. I'm here to ask the questions. I'm here to steal. No, 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 no. I mean, no one's going to hold it to you. So, so here, here, I'll give you, I'll give you what the next couple of matches look like for United. So United in the league, because uh, again, they have Europa League fixtures too, to keep in mind. So they've got Thursday football. That's so they're going to like Romania Probably shit. the end of the season. Long away days. <laughs> yeah. um, so they've got Leicester City uh, in the FA Cup quarterfinals, but then they get Brighton. Uh, Brighton, Tottenham, Burnley, Leeds, Liverpool, Aston Villa, Leicester, Fulham, and Wolves as they're running through the end of the season. Mm. West Ham, though, I, I don't like theirs at all um, for them, which is great for us, actually. Mm. They Good. play United next, then Arsenal, then Wolves, then Leicester, then Newcastle, then us, Burnley, Everton, Brighton, West Brom, Southampton. So their last, like, three are maybe a little bit more tricky, but their next successive run of games is going to be a little bit more dicey for them. But Leicester's is tough too. So they've got Man City, West Ham, um, Man United, the third to last match, Chelsea, uh, second to last match, and Tottenham on the final day. Ooh. They have a okay. worse run in than we yeah. do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. Okay. Big okay. time. That's interesting. Confidence but... up a little then? A couple more points? Can I eke a hey, 65 let's... out of you? Let's win. Let's win a, a, a match against Leeds at the weekend, and you you may get up to sixty five, Dan. Hey, <laughs> that's how that's gonna go. Hey, just keep it in mind. All right, that's all we ask, Nick. Just please keep it in mind. <laughs> I'm gonna keep. You know what? I'm gonna keep it in mind uh, as we move forward on this podcast. All right, all right, Jenny. I'll give you. A cheese- oh, woo! Winner, think, winner. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I don't know. When you guys just read all those out, and I've expressed that I'm going to trust Tuchel. I think it's only fair that I also end on a positive note. Um, but in honor of stealing your job tonight and asking the questions, I have another question for you. Not <laughs> as well. And let's end on a bang. Um, early on in the show, you mentioned um, that you didn't like, or that you do like Cho on the right, which one of my highlights from the match today was Cho on the left. I, I really appreciated him cutting into his right foot. And there was two opportunities when he cuts in and he like, I think had the chip over for the the handball, maybe not handball. Um, and then he had a, a good shot off, which I really, really like when players are switched because I was the player that got switched. Um, but you mentioned that you prefer him on the other side. Is there as a wing back? 
Okay. If he's yeah. going to play on the right, definitely on the wing back side. But if he's going to play up top, I think I had him up top. I would play him on the left with, yeah. with Tammy on the right. Being able to cut in, yeah, super effective and dangerous. Um, I, yeah, I, I just had him as a wing back and on the right, which obviously just more comfortable there. But um, he look, he's even gotten in some good overlapping positions in that ring right wing back position. Uh, he's got he's got what I think one goal this season. Uh, at least when he's created some, but yeah, it's, that's a good shout. And, and just shows you how he he's playing in opposite corners of the pitch, depending on what position he's in. Yeah. He has uh, two goals in the Premier league. FYI. No, whatever, Dan, uh, him short. any other questions, Jenny, before we wrap this one up? <laughs> no, I just wanted to give you guys a hard time and ask you all the hard questions. It's been fantastic. This is, uh, we're super glad to have had you on Jenny. Um, just in general, I, I think you and Dan have been exchanging DMs to try to figure out when it works. So uh, what a great match to have you on. It was a victory. It was a good one. Um, like I said, I, I, I put it in my tweet, but go follow Jenny. Well worth a follow. Super mm-hmm. smart uh, football player, ex-pro, now turn, getting into the media. And we're super excited to kind of have your another Chelsea personality in the media uh, on the CBS stuff for, for champions league. So thank you for hanging out with us. No, thank you. I had a lot of fun and now I kind of know you guys' personality. So if there's a next time I'm going to bring some heat. Oh, she's oh coming correct. More heat than she's coming correct. Was. I love it. Uh, <laughs> this is going to turn into like hot ones somehow. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I love hot uh, there, there will definitely be a next time. So anyways, everyone out there, listeners, thank you. You are always the best part of this podcast. Otherwise, it'd just be us talking to ourselves and it'd be weird. So thank you for listening to us. Uh, again, plug the Patreon, plug the Discord. Uh, otherwise, just connect with us on social media. It's the best way to do it. So that's going to wrap us up. Look forward to a Matt Law pod later this week. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.